Thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. There'd be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. I'm Linda Sage and this is the uh, podcast for this week. And as usual, I've had some amazing guests and today is my queen of guests because I have the amazing Patricia Fripp with us all the way from California. So we are really, really globetrotting today. So Patricia, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, but let's not forget... I come from Wimborne, Dorset. Uh, you've gone. You've gone the uh, scenic route around the yeah, world. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Patricia, uh, twenty minutes. I don't know how much we can possibly cram in this because I know you, we we could talk for weeks, let alone hours or minutes. So, you know, I think we need to, to crack on. So, anybody in this world that hasn't heard of Patricia Fripp, could you give us just a little bit about your your background and what you're doing? Well, Linda, I am a non-famous person who is just famous in a little world of professional speaking. But the snapshot version is I was born in Wimborne, Dorset. At age 12, realized I was probably more artistic than academic. And I decided I would become a hairstylist, which was a superb choice for me because one, I had good teachers, I had an affinity to the profession, and I had the personality that matched. And I had, through working in nice salons, access to develop relationships with individuals I would never have had the opportunity to meet. And from England, after I served my three-year apprenticeship, I went to the Channel Isles, lived in Jersey for two and a half years, realized, and there I was working, Linda, with gentlemen from the West End of London. They could do hairstyles I'd never even seen. However, one day my boss said to me, Patricia, you are bringing in 30% more income for the salon than the gentlemen who were more talented, more experienced, and their base salary was three times more than mine. And the reason that was, Linda, is because they thought lunch hours were for eating lunch. I realized lunch hours were for squeezing in three extra customers who couldn't come any other time. And that is a lesson. You do not have to be the best, the smartest. You perhaps need to work through lunch. And I thought at that point, where does tenacity and the willingness to work hard pay off? And of course, the colonies. So at 20, I arrived in San Francisco with no contacts, no job, uh, $500, And I knew everyone in America was rich and the streets were paved with movie stars. Of course. My first job was in the Mark Hopkins Hotel. I got to meet people from all over the country, 
all over the world. And anytime we have a job, Linda, where we interact with others, especially when they are different from us or more successful than us, use it as a learning experience. And from there, I became one of the first women in men's hairstyling when it was a new industry. And I worked for the Hollywood hairstylist, Jay Sebron. And he was the one who really came up with a whole new way of cutting hair. And this was at the time hairstyling was new and his, his, his clients were Paul Newman and Steve McQueen and Peter Lawford and all the Hollywood uh, movers and shakers. And when he opened our salon, he said, we only have one gimmick the best haircut in town. But it wasn't what he said, Linda, that was so important. It was who he said it to. Time magazine, Newsweek, Playboy magazine, and our local columnist, Herb Kane. And uh, he said, as soon as the announcements in Herb Kane that I'm in town, the phone will ring off the hook. And it did. Wow. Here's the lesson to this, Linda. I realized at age 23, it doesn't matter how good I am at anything. The world has to know. And that's when I became a shameless self-promoter. And I don't care what industry or business that your listeners are in. People do business with people they know. People do business with people their friends talk about. People do business with people who do business with them. People do business with people they read about. And in those days, it wasn't as easy as it is now. There was no social media and websites. So whatever business we are in, we need to constantly promote. I like to say to my audiences and my clients, it's not our customer and prospect's job to remember us. It's our obligation and responsibility to make sure they don't, don't have the chance to forget us. And then when it comes to promotion, you begin, you don't stop. However, what you do is revisit, refocus, perhaps rescript what you say about yourself. And from there, I went into business for myself. I started traveling nationwide for a hair product company, doing seminars to hairstylists. And all my clients, who were the movers and shakers in the financial district, said, Patricia, oh, come talk to my company, come talk at my staff meeting, come speak to my Rotary Club. And after a few speeches, I realized people who heard me speak came in my salon. And again, for any entrepreneurs or consultants or speakers, one of the best ways to promote our business is to give presentations in the local community. Now, they can't be sales presentations. They have to be about your expertise. Or I used to start talking about what I knew from my own business, how to get, keep, and deserve customers. And from there, I was a great uh, advocate of Dale Carnegie and Toastmasters and all my pals I met in Dale Carnegie. We called ourselves the Future Millionaires Breakfast Club. And we used to get together for breakfast every Thursday. We went to every seminar and every rally we heard about. And through that, we heard about the National Speakers Association. 
And then one day, a professional speaker who I'd gone to see, one of my friends said, you know, he lives in Novato, which is near me. I called him up. He came to hear me speak at a service club. And he said, Patricia, you must go to the National Speakers Association Convention. And Linda, I'm a great believer. If someone you admire and wish to emulate gives you advice, you don't say how much does it cost you do it. So I attended my first National Speakers Association convention, thinking no one's going to want to talk to me. I only talk to Rotary clubs and hairstylists. And two situations appeared. One, I got the vision of what was possible because I began my hairstyling career at 15 as an apprentice. When my lease on my salon was up, I would have been behind the chair for 25 years. And much though I loved my business, I couldn't imagine not wanting to do it. I realized there would be a profession later. There would be something else, whether it was in the hairstyling industry or huh, maybe professional speaking. And then secondly, I was discovered by a big time promoter who booked me to speak to 2000 people on the same program with Dr. Robert Schuler, the minister from Garden Grove, who was a very popular speaker at the time. So I would say, Linda, opportunity does not knock once. It knocks all the time. We don't always recognize the sound. And from there, of course, I developed a very successful keynote speaking business. Um, I sold my salon to my staff one year ahead of schedule when I became the first woman president of the National Speakers Association. And then after delivering as many as 100 and 120 keynotes a year, I listen to my clients, and this is another lesson for us all. Listen to your customers and clients. They will tell you what they want to invest in. And I had two conversations that changed my life and helped me be as much in demand or even more so than I was when I was at the height of my keynote speaking success. The first, I was delivering a, a keynote speech for a food service company. And the national sales manager came up and said, Patricia, I, I liked your speech, but I loved how you delivered it. Can you teach our salespeople to speak that way? Because it takes us a year to get in front of a hospital board for a one-hour presentation. We are losing sales. It has absolutely nothing to do with our offerings or our price. It has to do with the fact that our presentation skills are not as good as our competitors. And when I put together the seminar for them, little did I know she'd just given me the secret to always be in demand, no matter what the economy, or even when I don't look quite as good, perhaps on, on, on iMac. The other was two calls on a Saturday. I had always invested in hiring speech coaches, taking screenwriting classes, comedy writing classes, anything to develop my expertise in speaking. Yet 
when anyone said, oh, do you do any speech coaching? I said, well, you know, go to Dawn Barnhart, go to, uh, go to Ron Arden, the people I'd hired. And then one Saturday, I was speaking for a small personnel company in Walnut Creek, which is 35 miles from my house. I gave my speech. The president gave her speech. We sat down for lunch. And she said, Patricia, do you do any speech coaching? And I said, oh, a little for some of my friends. And she said, I wish I was one of your friends. Oh, wow. I went home and on my voicemail, there was this dynamic, our kind of woman, Linda, her voice on my, on my answering machine said, I don't know if you do this. However, if you do, I want to buy you for my husband for his birthday. <laughs> That's enough. I want a great opening. <laughs> And then she said, seven of my salespeople came to your speaking school and they came back raving. I don't know if you're an executive speech coach. However, if you are, I want to hire you. I want to hire you to work with my husband. He's a good speaker, but he has the most important speech of his career. And I thought, okay, God, I have got the message twice in one hour. And that was the day I officially put up my shingle as an executive speech coach. So obviously, as you know, I still speak at conferences. Yes. However, the main way I make my living is putting the words in other people's mouths, helping sales teams perfect their presentations and helping speakers and consultants and executives and entrepreneurs better tell their story or their message. So that is a long answer to a short question. <laughs> <laughs> With so many golden nuggets in there as well, as always, Patricia. But you stay so grounded. You you know, you do so many fantastic things. You're involved with so many amazing people, but you're still so generous. You're still so open and everybody and anybody can can learn from you in all sorts of ways. You know, how, how do you keep that going and that, that momentum going? Well, I talk to my brother nearly every day. My brother is lives in Pershaw in, in Worcestershire with his wife, who's very happily married. And when we grew up in Wimborne, I am one year, one month, two days, 12 and a half hours older than he is. I grew up to be a hairstylist, then a speaker and, and coach. My brother grew up to be a rock and roll guitarist. According to Rolling Stone magazine, my brother Robert Fripp is... Uh, the 42nd best guitarist in the history of the world, living or dead. His group, King Crimson, celebrated their 50th anniversary last year. They're still playing, uh, not all the time, because my brother likes a more normal life. Uh, and he played on David Bowie's Heroes, etc. So he is the most famous of the Fripp kids. I'm famous in the little world. He is well known internationally. However, I would say we've never forgotten that we come from Wimborne, Dorset. My brother, you know, he'll always say sister. Remember, we come from trade. And it's, it's, I'm still in touch with all my old friends. So I would say, yes, I have a very interesting life. And I maximize the opportunities I find myself in. 
However, I am a student of trying to learn from everybody around me. And every day is a learning experience when you interact with, with other people. Uh, and for me, this would not be a lifestyle choice that everyone select, but I have no husband, no children, no plants, no pets, and no debt, which makes it a lot easier. So one, I spend far too many hours in my office because there's no one here saying, get out of your office and come talk to us. <laughs> uh, but I have very good friends and, and I know you know, we know each other professionally and, and personally. It's good to surround yourself with supportive friends. Yeah. I remember when I was first in my, when I was in men's hairstyling and this was a new industry and it was very new to have women at leading edge. And I was the only woman in our salon, at the Sebring Salon. And then Judy, another woman, came to join us. And I was I was the face of the salon at that point. And I was talking to the radio shows, the television shows. And, and one day, a gentleman came to our salon. And he was, he was trying to find out if I could fill in our radio talk show, which for, for anyone who knows me, that is hysterical that you would even doubt it. But he was there and I said, Judy, you come talk to him. Give him your impression of being a woman in men's hairstyling. And, and after we'd had quite a long conversation, he asked, Patricia, you have been outrageously successful in your industry. Do other people in your business resent your success? And I immediately answered, well, no, of course not. They see I work six days a week, 12 hours a day. Why would they resent my success? And at exactly the same moment, Judy said, well, of course they do. Nobody cares what she does. And I realized, Linda, at a very young age, at that point, I was probably 28. And I realized if I am going to live up to just a small portion of my potential, I cannot be concerned what people think about me who are less ambitious than I am. And I made the conscious choice to associate with people who in their world and in their business and in their situation were as ambitious as I was. And that's why in Dale Carnegie, my best friends became the other people who were in, interested in self-improvement in the and taking the Dale Carnegie course as I was. So that is a good lesson. And I can honestly tell you that my friends that I have now are equally excited about my success as I am, and I'm equally excited about theirs. However, you can still call each other because you know in the speaking industry, you've got to have someone to call and say, oh, you should have seen me, they loved me. <laughs> But you need to have the same friend to call and say, oh, it just did not work. And I remember my friend Susan Rowan, who's a best-selling author, How to Work a Room, and five or six others. She's one of my buddies. And I called one day after speaking for gentlemen who work in a gravel quarry. And believe me, Linda, if you have a blue-collar audience that has an open bar that's free 
if they do not drink, they will begin drinking when it's free. It was a total disaster. And as I was driving home, I called, called Susan and said, oh, it was awful. Shall I send the money back? She said, you were fine. They failed. You suffered. Keep the money. So you see, it's a lot is, it's, you know, you stay grounded by a lot of the people you associate with. Yeah. And obviously you've achieved an awful lot and you've, you've covered many hurdles. You've been the first of many women doing things. So what lays ahead for, for you? What, what are your goals to be doing next? Well, at this point, at this point in this, this uh, interview, I am on mandatory three-day locked, three-week mandatory stay-at-home except for emergencies which I understand would be very stressful for many. For me, because I have so many virtual meetings, I'm still working. Six o'clock this morning, I was coaching an executive and trainer in France. So I have a virtual business, although in-person meetings are all canceled. I am taking advantage of the opportunity to catch up and organize my offices and dressing rooms in a way I don't in my everyday life. So it's making the most of every situation, even if it is a challenging situation. So that's the immediate. Long term, I cannot tell you exactly what I will be doing in five years. However, what I can promise you is that I will be having adventures. I will continue to learn and continue to find ways to be of service to my clients. And in these strange and uncertain times, which they are that we live in, I would say to any of your listeners who are in business, the best way that we can build our business for the future, because people are not at this point going to spend any money because they are nervous. We need to be of service, just as your podcast is. Be of service without asking anything in return. Because people do business with people they know and they like. And this is not a time to sell. It's a time to be of service. So I know five years from now, when we have another conversation for another podcast, uh, we will look back on these times as a real test. Uh, I don't know what your parents told you, Linda, but my parents always told me that English people were at their best in the war. Yes. Because we were all in tough times together and everyone was looking out for each other. And this is a good reminder in America, 9-11, 2008, when everything crashed, people had to look beyond themselves and help their neighbors. So you can look at this philosophically, that challenging times are sent to remind us we are not alone, we're in this together, and we always need to look out to help our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, our customers and clients. 
And that is just uh, amazing. And uh, fortunately, time always gets the better of us. We could just well, there's always you. another podcast oh. at another time. Oh, that's fantastic because I would love to be doing some more. And also, um, you said about not a sales time, but I would have loved to have time to talk to you about your uh, virtual uh Well, if anybody well. needs to improve their presentation skills, they can go to FRIP VT, which is FRIP Virtual Ta- Training, FRIP VT, take a trial. You can look at frip.com, which is my my normal website. Click on blogs. I have a thousand blog posts, all free, all available to give you information to improve your your presentations, your sales presentations. And there are even some on customer service, which I used to focus on a lot more. Uh, And speaking from experience, I mean, it's just like having you in the living room. So those those videos are just amazing because you can go back over them and listen to them over and over again and just get so much information out of them. Yes, it is. It is a real integrated learning system. So yeah. Frip VT, you can take a free trial. That's wonderful. So Patricia, I'm going to have to say thank you so much for joining us today, and I would love to have the opportunity of uh, speaking to you again. So uh, we'll fix a date for the future. Thank you. I look forward to it. Yeah. And for us as well, we have to say cheerio for today. Uh, Time always gets the better of us. Fantastic guest today, Patricia Fripp. Don't forget, please listen to the uh, podcast over and over again because there are so many pieces of golden nuggets information there because Patricia always, always serves so much on the plate. So thank you for being with us and I will be back with you next week with another guest. Up till then, take care and be kind to yourself. Bye for now.